chapter 11. Um, We're going to continue our series that has been so exciting. Amen. And uh, let's stand in honor of the reading of the word. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. By which obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts. By it he being dead yet speaketh. Everybody said he being dead yet speaketh. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Tonight, we're going to continue in our series, Becoming What God Has Designed You to Be. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. We thank you for this time that we've gathered together to study and to explore your word. God, I ask that you would speak to our hearts and speak to our minds. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everyone said, Amen. You may be seated. The greatest commandment is love the Lord thy God with all your heart. But the next greatest commandment is what? Love your neighbor, right? And so last week we we got off into people that have become what God had designed them to become. This is what we call the hall of faith. This is what we call the book of those that prove to be faithful. I hope if there is a book that is written in this generation, in this hour, I hope that I can be in the book. How many want to be in that book of those that were counted faithful? The unique thing about these people is that none of them were perfect. The Bible lets us in on their life and lets us show that there weren't perfect people. You see, pleasing God is not about pleasing other people. And pleasing God is not about pleasing ourselves. Somebody say amen. But the Bible does tell us that God will give us the desires of our heart. And the Bible does say, seek ye first. These pants are falling down. Can y'all tell? I need suspenders tonight. Hallelujah. The Bible does tell us that We should seek first the kingdom of God and he'll give us the desires of our heart. The Bible is very clear about us putting him first. And if we put him first, he will bless us. Everybody say amen. And so the first step to becoming what God has designed you to become is really this, serving one another, being a brother and being a sister to one another. I don't know why it is, I don't know why I struggle with it, 
I don't know why you struggle with it. I don't know why everybody struggles with it. But we have a very difficult time seeing life outside of our perspective. Wouldn't you agree? We have a very difficult time forgiving and allowing other people to be imperfect. We have this favorite saying, and I use it, I'm only human. I'm only human, right? I'm only human. But at the same time, we will pounce on somebody in a New York minute for being what? Only human. Won't we? God did not design us, as I stated on Sunday, for us to judge people. But God designed us to be in a position to love people and to give people excuses. The Bible tells us to hope against what? Hope. Hope against hope is simple. I'm hoping that my hope pays off. That's not a real promising position, hoping that your hope pays off. But my hope is that my hope in in somebody becoming what they're supposed to be. Now, it's easy for me to do this, and I, I won't pounce on the saints. We'll pounce on the pastor tonight. You realize, in the grand scheme of things, I'm probably not a good pastor. In the grand scheme of things, if you compared my pastoral skills and my pastoral abilities to somebody that's been doing it for 25 years, who's the better pastor? Probably the guy that's been at it 25 years. I'm I'm better at pastoring now than I was four years ago. And I'm better at pastoring now than I was when God called me to preach, for sure. And so as I have to grow with y'all as being saints in becoming what God has designed you to be, so it's the same. Y'all have to put up with me becoming what God has designed me to be. Closing out what we talked about last week about Cain and Abel. The Bible says, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts. How many want God to find your gifts righteous? How many want God to find what God gave you to be righteous? God did not give me these gifts to compete with other people. God did not bless this church to be in competition with other churches. God blessed us so that we can be a brother, we can be a blessing to the community. In Acts chapter 11, 12, 13, 14, somewhere in there. There is a church that's identified Not as a Pentecostal church, 
But the surrounding community identified them as Christians. The Bible says at Antioch, they were first called Christians. Now, here is why they were first called Christians at Antioch. Now, let's give a little backstory on Antioch real quick. Antioch was a very unique church because there it was started by a group of men that we don't even have their names to. Now, you know that wouldn't happen today. Somebody say amen. My name's got to be on the front of the church. My name's got to be on the business cards. But for whatever reason, this church at Antioch, there was no names. We don't have names of the men. But all we know is that these men's pastor's name was Stephen. Stephen was their pastor, and Stephen was a good pastor. Stephen was martyred by a man by the name of what? Saul of Tarsus. Saul later became who? Paul, the Apostle Paul. Now, when Paul was Saul of Tarsus, he was one that was was ruling and judging and killing and throwing the Christians in jail. This is what everybody just pay attention. My my timer is almost up, y'all. I got 23 minutes and 51 seconds. My timer is almost up. But Saul of Tarsus wreaked hell on the church. He wreaked havoc on the church. If there was anybody that the church hated, it was who? Saul of Tarsus. They hated him. Now, here's what's happened. This is what's funny. Saul is on a donkey riding to Damascus, and the Lord knocks him off his donkey and says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul says, Lord, Jesus, calls him Jesus by name, and Saul says, Jesus, I didn't know, I didn't know all these things. It's a, it's, a great, it's a great read. Get into it. Read it. Get in the book. And so Saul goes on and gets converted, gets filled with the Holy Ghost, gets baptized in Jesus' name. And now Saul has a ministry. Everybody says, Saul has a ministry. Everybody say it with gusto. Saul has a ministry. And so they send this great revival report out, okay, to all the churches around, and it says, you're never going to believe who got converted. Saul of Tarsus. We're now calling him Brother Paul. Did you know that God called Saul of Tarsus to preach? Everybody's going, oh, that's awesome. All right, who wants Saul of Tarsus to come preach at your church this Sunday? Who wants Saul of Tarsus to come preach at your church this Sunday? Oh, he, he ain't got converted yet. This is just a scheme. He's just trying to get into the church so he can throw us in jail, so he can beat us, so he can kill us. Y'all remember what he did to Stephen? But when word got to the church at Antioch, Antioch said what? Barnabas, you go get Saul and you bring him to us. Now remember, Saul was responsible for killing their pastor, for killing their father in the gospel. If there's anybody that should not have had Saul come to their church, 
it was the church at Antioch. And when Saul showed up with Barnabas, you know what happened? Saul, so glad you're here, brother. They gave him the microphone. They said, Saul, preach to us, teach to us, tell us what God is telling you. And they sat there and they listened. God ministered to the church at Antioch through Saul. But here's the amazing thing, Sister Jamie. They allowed him to. Ministry is only as powerful as people will allow you to minister. That's why there's some churches that really, they've got a preacher, but they don't have a pastor. Now, that's, that's, a, that's a southern thing. They call him the preacher. Matter of fact, old Brother Spoon, he used to call me preacher. There's preachers. We just want you to come. We want you to preach. We want you to get your check. We want you to go home. If somebody's sick, we want you to go pray for them. If somebody's getting married, we want you to do it. If a baby's born, we want you to show up. But do not get in our lives. Don't preach conviction. Don't preach about uh, this and don't preach about that. And, 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 and don't, don't challenge us to move further in Christ. How many like good preaching? How many love conviction preaching? Well, good. We got some, Good. That's why this is a good church. We love conviction preaching. But when we start needling down and you've got a pastor that has some authority... And that says, I'm not just going to be a preacher. That pastor ain't going to work anywhere. The reason why that pastor won't work anywhere is because he can only pastor to the ability that the people allow him to pastor by. That's why I think it's a joke for some of these churches uh, to, to, to say that we got a pastor. When if the pastor challenges them on anything... The U-Haul is going to be at his church, at his front door. And they're going to say, you got to go. One of the hardest lessons I ever learned of being a pastor was I was in a very challenging situation. And I was in a very, very challenging situation. And I remember there was a man on the board that wanted me to give a name of somebody that had complained about him. And I looked this man in the eye and I said, Sir devil, I mean, sir, uh, sir, sir, I'm not going to give you that name. And he said, I am on the board of this church. You're going to, I demand you tell me this name. And I said, sir, I don't care who you are. I am to watch over the flock of Christ. I am to protect the sheep. Now I've instructed them to go to you. But if they don't go to you, don't come to me because I am not going to tell you this person's name. I'm not going to betray their confidence. And they demanded and they huffed and they puffed and they said, I don't like the fact you speak in tongues and I don't like the fact of this and I don't like the fact of that. And they went on on, on about a 15-minute rant. And I looked them in the eye and I said, Sir, I'm not going to fight with you today. I'm not come here to fight with you today. And that was the beginning of the end. And that was only like two months into pastoring. Yes, it was. I'm telling the truth. 
But that, that particular individual did not see me as a pastor. They saw me as a preacher. These churches that have pastors come through every two or three years, it's not a solid church. That's a preacher church. That's not a church that gets pastored. Everybody say he's meddling. When we came to Horn Lake, we came with our feet planted and we said we're going to be here till the day we die. Because it's not God's will for somebody just to come in and go and come in and go and come in and go. Unless God's just called them to, church pl- to, to plant churches and plant churches. But that's not what God's called me to do. You can't affect the community that way. Somebody said that's good preaching. It's good teaching. But at the same time, everybody say, he's getting ready to step on our, sho- uh, on our toes. At the same time that I pointed that out, we can't be good Christians either if we're unstable. You can't be a solid Christian unless you make it to church on Wednesday nights. You can't be a solid Christian unless you're involved and engaged in the church. If you can't be involved and engaged in the church, then you're unstable. And an unstable person is not good for anybody. Somebody say amen. I remember very specifically, um, there, there was a time in my life when I was learning a lot of hard lessons with Brother Stark. And Brother Stark was teaching me a lot of hard lessons. And I remember... One particular time, uh, Brother Stark was teaching me about being stable, about being grounded. And he said, now, Dathan, you need to be at church every Sunday. No excuses. Now, he wasn't talking about vacation and this and that. But he was, I'll be there on Sunday anyway. And he wasn't talking about these other things. But what he was drilling home to me was to be a stable Christian. You got to be in the house of God every week and you've got to be sitting underneath your pastor. Somebody say amen. Now y'all know me well enough to know that I'm not going to tell people what to do and what not to do. But what does the word say we should do? Somebody say amen. And so, Antioch had Barnabas and and Saul ministering to them. That's number one. Number two, they reached everybody in their community. It wasn't a one-culture church. It was a multi-culture church. I imagine at Antioch, if you ever had to use the restroom and you walked down the hallway at the church at Antioch, you might have seen a woman sleeping on the couch. If anybody wants to know that joke, come talk to me on, just talk to me after service. We had a lady sleeping on the couch on Sunday. Amen. Uh, but there, there, was, there was everyone is welcomed. When they walk through the door, we love them. Why? Because we're hoping that they become. 
Somebody say amen. amen. So I can't remember who made the statement. This is, not a, this is not putting you on blast. I cannot remember honestly who made the statement. Somebody made it at, at the dinner table on Sunday. And they said, uh, so it was whoever was at the table. Uh, they said, that person probably shouldn't come back. Now, if we had a nice, cozy, cute church, yes, that's probably right. And was I getting frustrated on Sunday when I was trying to introduce our new youth ministers, right? And I hear yelling in the back right corner of the church and I wanted to throw my microphone that direction. Was that frustrating me? Yes. But we had some good people in the church that got up and went back there. They saw the the rage and the fire coming out of Brother Herring's eyes and they said, "Uh uh-oh, I better get back there and I... I better, I better calm this thing down. But you know, the reality is probably they may or may not, but they just might not know how to act, and it's our job to teach them how to act in the house of God. I remember one time I was praying, trying to pray a lady through the Holy Ghost. She was really raw. She, she, was, she was brand new to the church, and every time the Lord began to, to minister her and touch her, I'd get excited and start screaming, yeah, 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 that's it, that's it, that's it. And finally, she just stopped. She threw it all out the window. She said, look, man, if you'd just shut up, I'd get this Holy Ghost. Well, she didn't know that you don't tell the preacher to shut up. I might just get this Holy Ghost. But the truth is the matter is that through time and through us investing ourselves in them, we're, we're, we're teaching them how to become. And it's all different cultures. And all different cultures are going to clash with our culture. But we have to be a multicultural church. Our church needs to be the reflection of our community. Somebody say amen. amen. And let me just step on it real quick. If you're in a community where there's 50% African American 25% Asian, 15% Hispanic, 5% white. That's exactly what your church needs to look like. If you're expecting this church to be a social club, it will never become a social club unless I backslide. This church is not a country club This is a soul-saving station. This is a discipling place. Antioch received everybody. Matter of fact, the revival was so great, people didn't believe it. That's why Barnabas went there in the first place. I believe God's going to give us a revival so great that people go, Oh my gosh, here we go again about them people in Horn Lake. Oh, yes, it's just the greatest thing since sliced bread up there. And that will be said. Let's just send somebody up there to see if it's really going on like they say it's going on. That's what happened here. They sent Barnabas to check it out. And Barnabas sent word back and said, hey, this place, is, this place is hopping. We got Gentiles getting the Holy Ghost. Wow. And then the next thing that happened, and this is where I'm going to challenge the church tonight. This is, where, this is where Abel speaks to us from the grave. There was a famine back in Jerusalem. The people that didn't want to help them, now there's a famine. The people that didn't want to receive Paul, now they have a famine. 
And so this church does what? They take up all the offering. They take up a great offering. He's having a good time tonight. At least he's laughing, you know. They take up a great offering. They empty their pockets. They, they put themselves on lockdown financially. They give till it hurts. They don't get to go to McDonald's after church. They give the money to, to Barnabas and Paul. They take the offering up and they send it out. And they send it to them. They receive people nobody else would receive. They disciple people nobody else would disciple. Somebody say Amen. They had a multicultural church, and they had a giving church. And the Bible says that their community said about their church, they said, these people here are Christians. In Acts 2, they were Pentecostal. But in Acts, was it 11? In Acts 11, they were Christians. More than us being identified as a Pentecostal church, I want them to identify us as a Christian church. Those people there are Christ-like. Somebody say amen. I was doing outreach on Saturday. We, we were supposed to go out an hour, and some people went out three minutes and came back. I'm joking. I'm playing. I'm playing. And uh, we were doing outreach, and, and I stopped. As we were driving back through, I stopped by the bus route, and I, I got out, and I was talking to somebody. And, and I, had, I had a woman that was telling me that somebody shouldn't be coming to our church. Well, I, I don't think so-and-so should be coming to your church, and if she's at your church, then I'm not going to send my kids. And, and, and she said, I, I feel like you have a devil in the church. And it crawled all over me, and I said, you know what? I said, you know what? People that have not been living for God a very long time, it takes them a while to become what they ought to become. I said, maybe you should come to church and protect your kids, but don't stop them from coming to the house of God. I said, people don't get good to get God. They got to get God to get good. And it's our obligation to help them become what God has designed them to become. And us fulfilling that duty, that spiritual duty, don't you understand that we're going to get to our destination? Somebody say amen. It's not, it's not a secret. Why the next place here says, by, by faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God translated him for because his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Now, real quick in closing. Enoch was the seventh generation from Adam. Seventh generation from Adam. And the Bible says that Enoch lived 365 years and he was not. Now, this is a bit of a homiletic stretch, okay? But there's two numbers. That's a preaching stretch, okay? That's a stretch for a preacher. There's two numbers here that are very, very unique to me. Number one is the number seven. He was seven generations from Adam. And the next one is that he lived 365 years. 
Here's what's interesting to me. How many days are in a week? Seven. And how many days are in a year? 365. And the Bible says that Enoch pleased God and God took him and he was not. The next challenge of knowing what to do and knowing how and what you should be, the next challenge to becoming what you need to become as what God has designed you to become, Miles, sit down. The next challenge is this. You've got to do it seven days a week, 365 days a year. The challenge is not just knowing where God wants you to go, knowing how, knowing that God has designed me to do this. The challenge is getting there. Using every day as a vehicle, using every week as a vehicle to get there. I believe if we arrive there. Now, how many think you can live for God solid, best, awesome, seven days a week, 365? How many think you got that down? Sister Jamie's got it down. <laughs> Folks, I'm going to tell you all right now. That's going to be a struggle for Pastor Herod. But it's possible. It's possible. That's why God gives us grace every morning. Somebody say amen. You don't just need grace to cover your yesterday. You need grace to get you through today. And there's enough grace there to get you through. Somebody say praise the Lord. The Bible says, and this is where I'm tying it into Antioch. The Bible says that, that Enoch walked with God and was not. Matter of fact, it got to the point that Enoch walked with God so much that people didn't even see him no more. Now, this is another homiletic stretch. I believe, I believe, I believe that as this church, I believe we can learn and develop good and awesome and righteous habits that we can walk with God seven days a week, every day, 365, that when people look at me, they don't even see the flesh part. When people look at this church, they don't even see the flesh part. They say, hey, that church there is Christians. Those people there are Christians. I want to be identified as a Pentecostal. I love that. But more than that, I want to be identified as a Christian. Because I have met in my lifetime a lot of Pentecostals. I've met a lot of them. That can speak in tongues. Their skirts hit the floor and their hairdos hit the ceiling. Hello? Hello? But they can cut you up and down with their tongue. They can lie. They can cheat. They can steal. They cannot pay their bills. They can owe everybody money. Now, I know, I know we're all human. I get all that. I know we all run into hard times. I know we all make mistakes. But they can slice and dice you like a set of Ginsu knives. 
And the community looks at them and says, I'll never go to that church. Because of their reputation in a negative light. But could it be that the same group of people, the same epidermises, the same set of folks, could it be that those very same people could say, okay, God, yesterday won so good. Last year won so good. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you are. I don't care what church it is. Could it be that if they got so intent of becoming what God has designed them to become, that they said, yesterday's behind me, today is new, and they're going to start walking with God, and they do it so much that they finally get to the point that when people look at them, they don't even see them anymore. They say, that person is a Christian. Folks, we can't chase money. We can't chase things. We can't chase family. We can't chase relationships. We, we can't chase good feelings. We have to chase God. And if we will be a chaser of God, God will bless us right where we're planted. God will bless us right where we're at. Hallelujah. I can't tell you how many times I've woke up in the morning. Y'all love that sound, don't you? Miles said, yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've woke up in the morning and I've been challenged and I've said, God, I need a blessing today. God, I need your help today. God, I need your grace today. God, I need a love letter. Brother Guy, he, he says that, uh, I, I need a love letter from the Lord. Send me a love letter. Wake up in the morning, God, I need your help. I want to become what you've designed me to become and it's a challenge, God. You made me. You know what a challenge it is for me to become what I am to become in you. you. You understand the challenge, God. Give me a love letter. Give me some encouragement. Help me out today. And without a doubt, God begins to send blessing my way. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Just the other day, we had a little hiccup at work. And I got off the phone with Brother Justin. And I hung up the phone, and I was getting ready to go into Walmart. And I just sat back in my truck, and I said, Now, Lord Jesus, you know that this business is your business. God, you gave this to me to provide for my family and to bless the church. God, and I, I rebuke the enemy right now, and I tell him to leave. God, and I ask that you would send a blessing my way to let me know that you heard my prayer. I walk into Walmart. I get what I needed from the Walmart. I get back in my truck and I crank up the truck and my phone rings and it's a customer. It's a referral. And he says, hey, I got a 40 square roof. I've been quoted $8,000. Can you do it for that? He said, I'd love to give you the business. I said, yes, sir. I can do it for that. Now, it's not maximizing money, Brother Justin. It's not the margins where I like them to be, but hallelujah. 200 square on a, a 200 bucks a square on a 40 square roof. It's a good little blessing from the Lord. Folks, I'm telling you, if we'll chase him and not other things, the blessings will come.
if we'll love one another and we'll help one another and we'll disciple those that are coming in and we become Christ-like, I'm telling you that we will get, we will become whom God designed you to be. Let's all stand and let's sing this song together. I want to live the way he wants me to live. I want to love, give to you. There's just no more to give. I want to love, love till there's just no more love. Cause you never, ever outdid the Lord. So old we don't remember the words. Amen. Let's sing it one more time. I want to live the way. Let's slip our hands up in the air and sing it. Need to live. I want to give to you. There's just no more to give. I want to love, love to you. There's just no more love. I could never have around a love. The Lord. Jesus, I thank you tonight for your goodness and your mercy. God, I pray that this word would settle on our hearts. That this word would settle on our spirits, God. Father, I pray, Lord, that our lives become pleasing in your sight, God. That, Father, we be identified as Christians. That we be identified as the saints of the Most High, God. That we be lovers of men and lovers of you, O God. As Abel speaks to us tonight from the grave, O Lord, and tells us to be a brother, O God, and tells us to love one another, God, I ask tonight that your spirit would manifest itself in our lives, God. I pray, Lord, that you would order our steps. God, that our hearts would be so so set on you, Lord, and not on things we want to do, God. That you would order our steps, O God. Order our steps, O God, in your word. Order our steps, O God, in your will. God, keep us from taking wrong steps. God, and lead us and guide us and nudge us into taking the right steps, God. Bless us where we're planted. Cause our tree to be fruitful where we're planted. God, I pray, O Lord, that you would help us to become what you've designed us to be. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everyone said amen. 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 You may be dismissed.